Barely Research Facts is a facts-based show, Barely, brought to you by Art Naudas, an arts, events, and content company based in India. The show is a trip down dissection lane of words. Every episode, the hosts, Ragini and Misha, choose one word and deep dive into it. Every interesting fact we can find, we research somewhat casually and bring to you, pairing it with some good humor and casual chat between two friends. And welcome back to season two of Barely Research Facts, you guys. Welcome back. We're, we're so happy to be back. This is quite a moment. So season two is we have a fact pack season two with the usual. We have some great facts, some great chatting. And plus we're throwing in a few special guests who can help us take our fact game to the next level. Oh, I can't wait. I know. I can't either actually because this is a bit of a surprise to me as well. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to jump right in and get into the episode because I'm so excited about starting off all over again. The word for this episode is power and right off the bat Shar had a breeze researching this episode she was overachieving next level and I struggled like nobody's business so really setting the expectation bar there <laughs> is there a level <laughs> below ground level like <laughs> is this a basement level bar <laughs> no I've had a look at Agni's facts and they look really interesting so Yeah, I tried you guys. I tried. No, it's fun. But okay, so what are we doing in this episode? What are we talking about? We're talking about a gun-toting shrimp. I don't know why, but we are. A broken circle and a vertical stroke, and I promise you, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this. The tapestry of 80s, 90s pop culture, that is the Powerpuff Girls because why not? And how Iceland heats, well, everything. 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 Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to jump in with uh our first fact, which is Two cool things I found out about the Powerpuff Girls. Now I don't know why I had to go down this this entire lane of Powerpuff Girls nostalgia, but it was great because when I was struggling and trying to figure out what goes with power, and Shar would disagree with me and say a lot goes with power, but I was really having a hard time. But in that moment, the Powerpuff Girls really came to my rescue, and I've had a great time because I spent I think a full day. I've loved the Powerpuff Girls. Do you did you watch them when you were younger? Yeah, I loved it. But there's just so much stuff I didn't know. Like I, there's stuff that I I just wanted to add like two facts here that I I found like super cool. But my god, I swear I spent a full day just down quite the rabbit hole. <laughs> All right. So, the Powerpuff Girls creator Craig McCracken, basically in his first year in character animation at CalArts was when he came up with the original idea for these three girls and he drew them on a birthday card for his brother. Oh. Yeah, sweet, right? And that's how the Powerpuff Girls were really born. Mm-hmm. And then in 1992 he included the three girls in a short animation that he made called Whoopass Stew a sticky situation <laughs> so cute And later that year it was picked up by Cartoon Network as part of their water cartoon showcase Ah back in the good old days Yeah what a lovely time you know when Cartoon Network was just I know when you just sent stuff in and they were just like all right we'll put that into this special <laughs> showcase now you'd have to jump through a lot of hoops I imagine Yeah when we when we start the animation career we will fill you in on what it takes. Yeah we'll tell you which hands we shook and which we didn't. <laughs> yeah it's <a> successful. <laughs> so but when Cartoon Network picked up the show they informed McCracken that he would have to change the name of the series because it was highly unlikely that anyone was going to make kids toys with the word in the label <laughs> the word being ass. So what a, what a lovely time we grew up in. <laughs> they were really adult cartoons when we were growing up had very adult themes that were just barely hidden veiled yeah yeah, yeah but you couldn't say the word ass no, still that's just a bit too far yeah so that's the powerpuff girls were born and the can of whoopass which was the original chemical x oh. that professor utonium adds to the to the mix accidentally mm-hmm. that was a can of whoopass originally mm. so that's how chemical x happened 
And that's how Whoopass became Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> I thought it was cute. Right. I had no idea about this. <laughs> and for the second fact, that totally like had me like rolling in my in my chair. But uh, so the entire series of Powerpuff Girls was littered with a lot of references to pop culture, you know, of the 80s and 90s. But this one particular show, and I remember this because I remember seeing it and not registering it at the time, but realizing it much later as I grew up. But the show has an episode that features over 60 references to the Beatles. The episode is called Meet the Beat Alls. Hmm. And it's basically a super villain episode where all the super villains get together to try and beat the power of girls because they realize that's the only way that they can. It has Mojo Jojo, who is my absolute favorite ever. Oh, Jojo Jojo. Fuzzy Lumpkins and Princess Mobux. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they form a group called the Beat Alls. And some of the so some of the references in this episode include Mojo Jojo's girlfriend Moko Yono, <laughs> so cute, <laughs> who plays a caricature of a real life counterpart, and then forces the group to break up. Uh, other references include the famous zebra crosswalk for the uh, with the Beatles poster. Yeah. Um, the police chief in the episode is named Sergeant Pepper. The production began on the twentieth death anniversary of John Lennon. Oh God, that that one's oh, a bit yeah. dark. That's, I yeah. guess, a good tribute. Well, I guess it's a tribute, but yeah. uh, but I thought it was, it was really cute, the whole, uh, now that I I can piece my childhood back together. Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like one of those things where when you re-watch a cartoon that you watched when you were younger, there's so many other things that you pick up on that you didn't as a child. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And also, I remember, you know, I, I, I was trying to remember, I was like, what were the Powerpuff Girls' superpowers? Because I remember, like, a lot of stuff, but I couldn't remember who had what. Mm. And all I could actually remember, and this I think was my favorite one back then, is that Buttercups, one of her unique superpowers, uh, is that she can uh, she can curl her tongue. <laughs> and the reason it's a superpower for her is because she says it makes her happy. And I thought, like, I used to love that show so much because it just, you know, there were these three girly girls yeah. kicking ass, <laughs> uh, beating supervillains. And then, like, just something like this, which is just a superpower because... It just is because she's decided it is and it makes her happy. I love that. That's a cute addition. Yeah. I'm sure somebody thought a yeah. lot before, you know, adding that in. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so those are my power-filled Powerpuff Girls facts. Wow. <laughs> That's quite true. Hey, you put those Never down a lot, but they were actually really good. <laughs> they were really cute, right? Yeah, yeah I love them. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. going to bring the bar up from the basement into the mezzanine. Is that okay? Yay, yeah. 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 We're, in, we're in the elevator. <laughs> right? On your own story. Because <laughs> it wasn't as bad as you thought. <laughs> Said it would be. Okay. So, speaking of power, obviously, it's the word we've chosen for this episode. I often think about geothermal power, you know. Just, oh, you do? Yeah, just generally. Just a casual, casual night at the household. <laughs> yes. Also, I do think a lot about heating things up, especially after I move to a country that has slightly colder winters, or at least a place that has more colder winters than I'm usually used to. So, heating things has become a bit of a preoccupation. <laughs> but uh, Iceland... You know the country Iceland? Must have heard oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think I have. Famous for being icy? No, not, not really. <laughs> Famous for being really beautiful. Green, actually, yeah. Really beautiful. Having, you know, everybody I know uh, seems like they're going on holiday to Iceland. So it's a bucket list thing for me. So Iceland uses a lot of geothermal power. Obviously, they sat on, you know, like a gold mine of geothermal energy. So geothermal power, it's a huge source of green, renewable energy, And it's used to heat the usual stuff that you think of, homes, Mm. generate electricity, all the important stuff, you know, the stuff that I selfishly would think about. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, trust Iceland to use it for literally everything. And I mean everything. Here's only a couple of hot facts 
from the many that I found. So there are nearly 140 geothermally heated recreational swimming pools in Iceland. And that's not counting the natural pools and hot springs that you see people lounging around in those advertisements for travel to Iceland. (laughs) Wow. So measured by surface area, more than 90% of the pools in Iceland are heated by geothermal power. The largest of these is, I'm, I'm really apologetic about the pronunciation, but I did watch a YouTube video about this and I'm an expert. But it's <laughs> Leoderslag pool, which is one of the 17 public swimming pools in the capital region. And the surface area is 2,750 square meters. Wow. Yeah. And they, they have hot tubs. Um, again, they utilize geothermal seawater from boreholes off the coast. So just basically what I'd call heaven. Um, and then yeah. not only that, they have their own heated beach. No way. Beach what? <laughs> so yeah. just south of downtown Reykjavik. There's, again, pronunciation, the Neotoshvik beach, which is located in a man-made lagoon, which is heated with geothermal water. So you can basically bathe in the North Atlantic, which you usually can't do in the winter or summer, in slightly less discomfort. (laughs) So it reaches temperatures of 15 to 19 degrees Celsius, which is, you know, I think compared to what the temperature would be outside, it's it's warm. So I'd enjoy myself. I'd be like one of those, you know, those swimming monkeys that you see (laughs) in those heated lagoon pool things. Yeah, I'd be like one of those. Um, So, wow, I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that they have a heated beach. I know it's it's mad. Um, Next, soccer fields. They heat soccer fields, and the Icelandic footballers practice outdoors year round, which really helps, you know, up their game because, I mean, you know, more temperate conditions, people practice all year round. But if you had to practice Mm. indoors, then, you know, it really ups the cost of maintaining a soccer team and with all the infrastructure that's required. But with this, easy peasy, the first soccer field in Reykjavik to be heated was opened in 1984. And since then, all new football fields have, have been outfitted with a heating system so they can practice all year round. Very cool. But they wouldn't do very well if they actually went to a cold place, you know, it didn't have outdoor heating, (laughs) heated fields. Um, I I haven't a clue. I don't know if the, just the, (laughs) just them being tougher. Like, you know, we we were talking about the Kenyan athletes who do better because they have, you know, there's so much competition. I think we talked about it in our episode, Roof, where we were talking about natural conditions affecting your running ability. So I think it might be the same, like... You know, who knows what superpowers they have. Hey, power, superpowers (laughs) they have. (laughs) Last but not the least, huge thing for me, because I'm mortified, petrified of uh, slipping and falling on my face or my ass, one of the two. (laughs) Same, yeah. In the winter or in the summer, but Mm. more so in the winter Mm. when the sidewalks are icy. So Iceland has snow melting systems that amount to more than a million square meters, two thirds of which is in Reykjavik. And they're all in public, uh, they're mostly in public areas, commercial premises, and some of them at private homes. They basically wow. heat the sidewalks. So the sidewalks are ice free. So, oh, so they really do heat everything. Yes, they do. They, like, this is not an exaggeration yeah, at all. Yeah, they heat the ground that you walk on. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd say something like, oh, you can, you know, fry an egg with geothermal power because, you know, your kitchen is... <laughs> Because I like eggs. I was really thinking small. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I do think that it's very like internalized to think selfishly about things like this. Like, what would make me happy? Yes, a warm home and uh, being able to fry an egg on the side. Fried egg. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the story of how Iceland heats literally everything. Yeah. 
They're simple people though, you and me. <laughs> okay, so, okay, next fact. So, you remember the, the broken circle and the vertical line that we talked about when we introduced the episode? Yeah, I remember it being vaguely dirty with, because you said vertical stroke. And I remember thinking to myself, <laughs> Oh, dirty. <laughs> okay, so you're 14. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but this is a symbol that is, everybody knows it. It is the power symbol that we see everywhere all the time oh, yeah. now. And so basically, I was like, okay, you know, let's let's go into the, the details of this logo. Why is this a symbol? Why does everybody use it? Why are we obsessed with it? And turns out that the zero, the, the, the circle and the, the vertical line is actually the zero and one for the binary oh, yeah. symbolization of on and off. Oh. So off would be zero and on would be one. And so they've kind of put that together. Now, I didn't know this. I don't know if you're a logo geek and you just know stuff like this, like the friendly people at the blog <laughs> that I read this at. Good for you. <laughs> Tell me some more when you do. But apparently, this is where I went into some history about this, okay? And it sort of made me a bit sad. Okay. And I will tell you why this is tragic history, actually. But the switches that we have now, which are the flip switches, which is, you know, you push it up and it's off and you push it down and it's on. Yeah. But before that, we had... The toggle switches. Do you remember? Used to, do you remember we had those in old? Like we used to have them in our older houses, but like this black thing with a little flippy thing that you push up and then yeah, you push down, like a semicircle, yeah. like a half a yeah. circle on the switchboard with a little switch. Yeah, that and then it just has this toggle thing that you just push yeah. up and down. And the reason why I felt really bad about it is because I realized. Uh, that I'm actually talking about something that happened in my lifetime that has already become historical and I can't even remember the last time I saw something like this. And there might be people who are listening to this podcast now who don't even have the first clue about what we are saying, <laughs> or what this switch looks like. So I was, uh, yeah, that was that was heartbreaking to say the least. Mm. Um, but apparently, so on those toggle switches, it used to have, it was labeled as off and on. Mm-hmm. And then sometime later, there, there was this need right after World War II to sort of make it a bit more universal so that people could understand what it was. And so they, I, I don't know why, I haven't really understood why, because if it just went, Every time it went up, it was off. And every time it went down, it was on. I don't know how much more universal it could be, but apparently. So they were like, let's do a zero and one. So when it was off, you would have, it would go to the zero. And then when it came down, it was to the one. Okay, fair enough. Now, along the way, as technology sort of advanced, we basically started having devices that had a single on-off switch. Yes. Right? And this is where we see the on-off button. Like you see you see the power logo on these, on, on mm. devices that have a single on-off switch. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because, again, something I did not know, but basically, uh, most devices that have the power logo on them, the power logo is not a symbol for on and off. It's actually for standby or sleep. Oh. So, yeah. So basically, when you deactivate, it puts the device into sleep mode or like a really low power state. Mm. The power supply is not entirely cut off, which actually makes sense if you think about it, because if I'm using a remote for my TV, and I switch my TV off, there has to be some power supply for me mm. to be able to switch the TV on again with the remote. Yeah. So in order to switch the TV off completely, I have to go to the back and flip the switch off at the back. Mm. So this is actually a standby. It's oh, so it's both on and off at the same time. Yeah. And it's like in a state of sleep. They smushed it together. Yeah. Cool. And this was recognized officially in 1973 by the International Electrotechnical Commission. Things I learned when I researched for this podcast. Like I had no <laughs> idea this committee even existed, but... Uh, they gave it a stamp of approval and since then it has become the symbol of universal power. Cool. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Did not know that. Happy to know it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so for the next fact, I want to talk about a story that I drafted that I called I'm No Shrimp. <laughs> okay. Now, allow me dramatic reading of this, of said story. Okay. Here we yeah. go. 
Let me tell you about a gun-toting, cannibalistic shrimp called Hank. Oh, I love it. Yeah. This is where we cue the old Western music, by the way. Picture this. The sun has set on this here little underwater town. Hank the shrimp chews his toothpick with a vengeance. His mustache, stay with me, wiggling with each chew. Not a funny mustache wiggle, more like a menacing mustache wiggle. Yeah, menacing. His claws are stretched ahead of him, gently undulating in the watery depths. One is not like the other. He stalks murky streets with disturbed silt, looking for prey. And then he spots him, Gary, humming to himself, (laughs) trawling the silty floor for food. He won't know what hit him, the fool. As Gary hums imbecilically to himself, Hank loads his weaponized claw. Gary doesn't stand a chance. Hank cocks his distinctive claw back and fires repeatedly. Gary's dead. His last thought arrested before he could resolve it. Was that stick actually a stick or was it something I could eat? (laughs) The water dulls the sound of Hank dragging Gary's body into his lair, a treat for a wary hunter. So, um... (laughs) The purpose of this was to... There's no purpose, really. It was just because I wanted to. <laughs> With a little visual aid. I wanted to, so I did. So, Hank is a pistol shrimp, actual name, and very aptly named as well. Each time his claws snap, bubbles shoot forward and for a brief moment produce nearly as much heat as the sun's surface. You're kidding me. Not joking. The sound from each claw snap is incredible, hitting 218 decibels, which is so loud that it knocks animals unconscious. And it's also slightly louder than a gunshot. (laughs) So looking like any normal shrimp, the pistol shrimp gets its name from its primary attack mechanism, which we've just described. So what it does is it builds up enough pressure in its snapper to release extreme force. And this goes at over 100 feet per second. So the velocity of the shock wave is high enough to vaporize the surrounding water. But it's only a very small area of water, obviously, considering the shrimp are like between two and five centimeters (laughs) long. (laughs) So it can temporarily generate 8,000 degrees as well as a light flash. So not as in, not only is he powerful, he likes to jazz it up a bit. (laughs) Yeah. And also, just a fun fact... If the shrimp, you know, if his claw is maimed, it can actually grow back. So he's got spare guns. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, the only the good news is that they're really um, not as evil as I described um, Hank in my story. Uh, they're quite... Really? Shrimp. He doesn't have a moustache that he's twirling? No. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, you don't say. Hank is an exception, <laughs> not the rule. <laughs> So they're relatively friendly. They can form long symbiotic relationships with several other species, but they are known to be cannibalistic and eat other shrimp. Um, and but also, friendly. But friendly. friendly. Most of the time friendly. Just don't cross them. <laughs> and they're only tiny. Like I said, they're up to four centimeters long and only weigh about 25 grams. So um, yeah, not deadly to human beings. Um, they could kill small fish and other shrimp. Like um, Gary. Like poor Gary. Gary the imbecile. But we don't have to worry about Hank sneaking up on us while we're out for a swim in the ocean. I'm going to watch a video of of this. Yeah, you must. In fact, Radio Lab, uh, which is a really fantastic podcast, also did a a piece on this that was uh, like an audio treat, like a sonic treat. So go listen to that episode as well, because that's where I first heard about it. 
and it was super interesting. Yeah, the power shrimp. Mm-hmm. So that's it for our episode for today. We hope you've enjoyed the story of Hank and the Powerpuff Girls and everything else we covered. Mm-hmm. If you have, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate us. You know, if you're listening to this episode on iTunes or Spotify, just go give us, you know, preferably five stars. And if you really enjoyed the episode, maybe even leave us a review. It really helps as an independent podcast. It really helps us when you give us good feedback. So and also you'll have our eternal gratitude in return. Yes, you will. All right. We have also revamped our popular newsletter over the last few months. Probably Relevant is the coolest new newsletter on the block. It's where you can hang out to get fabulous monthly doses of every interesting thing that we can scour in the entire universe. You can sign up for this via our website, www.artnadas.in, or you can hit the link in our bio on Instagram. We're a barely research facts on Instagram as well. Also, drop us a follow on there if you haven't already. And there's some fun behind the scenes and a lot of facts that are as barely researched but don't really make it to the final episode. The episode you just heard was edited by Mohit Chandilia. Music for the podcast is by Charita Arora. We will see you in two weeks for a brand new episode. Until then, take care, remember to hydrate and see us soon. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>